Star Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Hi, Tanner. How are you doing? Hi, Caitlin. I'm so excited you're back. It's been too long. I've missed you. I've missed everyone. It's been such a long time. I've actually, I have actively missed talking about music on this podcast. And I've been insufferable to most of my friends in the DC metro area because I forced them to talk about music with me. Same. Uh, So this is good. This is healthy for me. Uh, we're back on the horse, but not for a usual episode, my friends. We are going to take a quick look back at our favorite albums of 2019. So this should be kind of a surprise for my picks. But if you are a chart chat diehard, as I know most of you listening are, you would have heard Tanner's quarterly episodes that were phenomenal. Lots of albums there, lots of music to listen to and check out. But I'm going to kick things off with one of my most favorite albums of the year, most anticipated albums of the year, too. Take a listen. Big Michael. And it's live. Said I went mainstream, scratch your mum. Not top two, top one. Top one, top one. I must have thought I was dumb. What the fuck have you lot done? That's right. Oh my word. Probably my most anticipated album of 2019, to be honest, came out in December, so we had to wait a long time. Stormzy, heavy as the head. Ooh! Oh man, that first track, Big Michael, comes in so hot. And then my other favorite tracks from that album are Crown. It's kind of like a more acoustic song. Really good follow-up, if you know Stormzy, to Blinded by Your Grace. Love Rainfall. Oh my gosh, the vibe. Lord, let the rain fall on my enemies. Mm-hmm. Tanner, what are your thoughts on this album? I know you gave it a quick listen. Yeah, I mean, I I think I like Stormzy at his most up-tempo than his more down-tempo side. I found some of those spots on the album kind of lacking a little bit. I don't know if he has the greatest way with the hook. There are a couple tracks where he tries to deliver a more kind of mellifluous sung hook that I'm not super wild about. Also, like plenty of streaming albums these days, they just kind of throw the the big single at the very end just to try to boost, you know, like, all right, Vossie Bop's there. Sure, that's fine, even though it kind of juts out sequentially. I really liked Audacity, though. It's like the second track, I think, comes after the one that you just played keeps the energy level pumping and the h feature i actually really was impressed by i remember one time yes! an episode way back when we talked about h and i was kind of uh, not so sure definitely more into that verse i just i just want stormzy to make like a, a party record basically that's all i want no yeah and that's kind of why i chose that short clip at the beginning just because it's got that grimy brass loop throughout it and I'm just, ugh, it just speaks to my soul but no i agree with you i think one of my favorite things about that album was that we heard a little bit more in terms of vocal texture than we usually do from stormzy like he's trying different things he's trying i think a bit more varied features you got ed sheeran on there too 
big news with Stormzy is that he got the first number one of the entire decade. Oh my gosh. Anyway, moving right along, Tanner, what's your pick? This is a Claro zone. That was Sophia off of immunity. If either of us say the words industry plants, we are banned from the podcast because that's a silly line of criticism and it totally <laughs> undersells how good of a melody writer Claro is. These are some of the best melodies I've heard all year. She sings them with this really interesting mix of she's she's bummed, but she's not letting it completely get to her. She's going to push through. The instrumentation is is really striking. I'm still obsessed with the guitar line on bags. I'm obsessed with the sudden switch to aggressive distortion on Sophia. Caitlin, I know you are also a bit of a fan. Ooh, a bit. Very, very, very not the right word. I love Claro so much. No, she is one of the ones that I didn't see. Yes, during my hiatus. Uh, I wish... I definitely wish she has this ability to reach out, I think, to the sad girls and also to the really bubbly indie girls. And I kind of consider myself both of those things. So it's very cool how she's able to spread herself, but not thin. I really, really adore the way that she layers vocals, especially in Sophia. Oh, my gosh. The, how many different vocal tracks do you think were recorded for that one song? Like, 20? I don't know. It's just so impressive. Her live performance of Bags on Ellen, I think, is my favorite live performance of 2019. Oh, Tanner, speak on it for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I think I sent that to you because I was like, have you seen this? This is amazing. This is fantastic. And you were like, I know, I was going to send it to you. Ah, Her stage presence matches the weird sort of balancing act you describe her as walking between the sad and the bubbly like she's not super animated on stage but she still has a bit of a warmth but her facial expressions are still maybe a little a little downtrodden i don't know there's something really i've heard people make that comparison i don't know if i get that but i've heard i've heard others make that comparison for sure there are hints of it yeah yeah i think that's probably how industry people are probably approaching her where oh sad teen in her room that's close enough to Billie Eilish. Let's put our, our weight behind her. And I think it's to Claro's credit that with one album, she completely carves out her own sort of niche in pop. And it's really exciting. It was number 10 on my on my top 10 albums of the, the year list. Caitlin, back over to you. Back to me. Here we go. That was the first track from Kiana Lade's EP, technically an EP, but I think there's room for it on this podcast. We like to be free. Her EP titled Myself. Not very many albums or songs, for that matter, make me literally stop my vehicle when I'm driving. And this came on shuffle, and I had to pull over. 
If listeners heard the podcast that I put out about my top four albums of 2018, it was all kind of like sad relationshipy stuff. Uh, but this one kind of has hints of that. I just, I am in love with the idea of this EP. I think Kiana Lede like first got her start in Kids Bop, which is hilarious. And her mom was kind of a pusher and like pushed her into the industry. But the EP is only 18 minutes long. It is totally worth a listen if you haven't heard it already. I would highly recommend if you are one of those people that has ever uttered the falsity, all pop music sounds the same. Give this a listen. It's very, it's a self-contained EP, but there are so many different sounds on it. There's almost like acoustic track that's really stripped down. It kind of walks the line between R&B and pop. I just think it would be a great gateway for those people to kind of get over that. Tanner, what did you think? Caitlin, this is one that I, I don't, I don't hear it. I don't hear much of anything it's it's certainly not aggressively bad at all i just find her kind of a forgettable presence on the microphone the songs aren't there for me i like offset but his feature feels kind of shoehorned in which is fine you're trying to develop a new musician so you bring in the feature that's fine i just don't think it worked particularly well for the song i don't think the songs were there it just not feeling it happens back to you In case anyone was asleep out there, now you're awake, because that was Counterparts, song from their new album, Nothing Left to Love. I put this at number seven on my top ten. I was so caught off guard by this. I feel like every year there is at least one metalcore album that completely blindsides me. Last year it was, uh, well not last year, I suppose, 2018, it was this album by Silent Planet. This year it's Counterparts. First off, much more so than other metalcore albums I've heard the instruments on this one the separation between instruments is really palpable i feel like a lot of metalcore and just metal and punk albums in general tend to really squash the dynamics and on this album you can really pick apart the layers and i think that makes for a much more brutal in your face listen and lyrically it's extremely depressing which apparently i'm always into the title of the album is nothing left to love it's all about the singer being uh feeling varying degrees of unlovable it gets pretty grim and the drummer on this is just out of control kyle brownlee has this ability to hit the kit really hard go 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 but because the songs are so intricately written and have all of these really sharp left turns he works all of these different rhythmic changes into his patterns. Like later on that song, we listened to the hands that used to hold me. There's one point, I think it's like right before the chorus where he'll all of a sudden switch into like four measures of a blast beat real quick and then just stop. It's incredible. So it just gives it this freewheeling sort of manic quality that undercuts the sadness of the lyrics, I suppose. Caitlin, are you much for metal? Are you much for metal core? <laughs> No. (laughs) Um, Variety of reasons why. Not going to get into it. Actively dislike. Um, I can appreciate, though, the level of musicality that these guys have. It, it, It is hard. 
it's very interesting, like the time changes and all of that. I'm just, I can't sit and listen to it. I gave it a very, very quick listen. Like, I think I listened to maybe 30 seconds of each song and was like, mm-hmm, got it. Yep. We're sad. We're angry. Great. <laughs> Well, it's especially interesting because they don't even do the thing that most metalcore bands do of having a clean sung chorus. Most of the time, the choruses on these songs are also screamed, so it really does not let up until sort of the back end of the album. But I'll let you take it from there. Excellent. We're going to actually do a 180 now. Here we go. Maggie Rogers, the queen herself, had the pleasure of seeing her live in October of 2019. It was a fantastic show. One with my sister in front of the podcast, Lindsay. And it was just a great time. Very good live. Played some unreleased stuff. Played some Beethoven, which if you know me, huge fan. She's nominated for New Artist of the Year. Ah, if Billie Eilish wasn't on the table, I feel like Maggie Rogers would have a fair shot. However, we will see when it comes to that. This album is just phenomenal. It's kind of folksy, which I like. It's definitely got a European vibe to it. Maggie Rogers was going to give up on music famously and studied abroad while she was in college in France and kind of got into techno, trance, weird clubby music. And she incorporated that into her sound when she returned and kind of got discovered by Pharrell. There's this viral music critique thing, masterclass. Definitely check that out. It's a fun thing to watch. I don't know. I just, ah, I love this album. I keep coming back to it. It's not one that I've gotten tired of yet. And that clip that I played was from Light On, kind of in the middle of the album. And it's got this line that just has stuck with me. If you keep reaching out, then I'll keep coming back. If you're gone for good, then I'm okay with that. She's just got this kind of floating attitude. And I want to be that way in 2020. Tanner, any thoughts on Maggie Rogers? Yeah, this is one where I I did listen to it back when it first came out. And I remember... I don't know if it was you or another friend, but I have a couple friends who thought really highly of this album and of Maggie Rogers. And when I was revisiting it in preparation for this episode, I was hopeful. I was like, okay, maybe this will be this will be the time where something clicks and I, and I hear what other people are hearing. And I'm just not hearing it. I feel like the songs are kind of muddled. I feel like the verses in these songs tend to overemphasize one note or two note melodies, a lot of these songs have verses that will do a or something similar. <laughs> and I feel like the timbre of her voice doesn't always match very well with the instrumentation. I feel like the instrumentation is going for something a little more low-key, a little more down-tempo, and the way she's singing them is almost, it's not full-blown Florence Welch territory, but it's definitely towards that brassier end. And something about that juxtaposition feels incongruous to me, I think. And I'm curious, you mentioned you saw her live. 
Does she come off differently live than she does on this album? Yes. How so? I think what you said about the Florence Welchy stuff, that was hard to say. Florence Welchy stuff is definitely valid. She has a very confident stage presence. She has a very bright vocal tone. And that's mirrored in a lot of the instruments on stage. She's got a great drummer and that snare sound very bright as well. I'm not going to critique it because I en- I enjoyed it, but you know, even guitar super bright. So I I see what you mean. I don't know if I would use the word incongruous for the live performance, but I I can hear I I hear you. So I might have to rely on you to send me some live footage because I'm interested. I'm interested to hear what other people hear. But shall we keep the train rolling? Yes, please. Let's do it. In my defense, I'd bought like $87 worth of groceries And the chapstick was $1.99 I know it wasn't the right thing to use my newborn child as an excuse But it felt like a good reason at the time And as I pulled it a Mother's Confession by Amanda Palmer from her new album, There Will Be No Intermission. I thought this was my album of the year for 10 months of this year. Wound up being my number two for reasons we'll get to later. But I am still just completely and utterly blown away by this album, by her. I've never listened to the Dresden Dolls before. Sort of cabaret, punk rock band from the 2000s. I don't know if Caitlin or listeners are familiar. I'd never heard any of her solo material before either. I feel like I'm an infamously bad listener for lyrics, and so I'm always very surprised when I fall in love with the lyrics on an album. I have completely fallen in love with the lyrics on this album. The song, A Mother's Confession, is her singing about these really minute stressors as a new mother sort of piling up over time. I accidentally stole a tube of chapstick, and I got pulled over while driving to the DMV, and then I started crying while the cop pulled me over, and then the radio was playing something about Syria and ISIS. Boom, 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 boom. And she's, like, distraught and feels like she's a bad mother, but then she has this sort of sensibility throughout the album, this sort of wry humor, and the chorus on the song as well, at least the baby didn't die. It's really, it's an emotional roller coaster, which is also a really bad joke of mine because there's a song on this album called The Ride. <laughs> Her piano work is gorgeous. She has a really compelling command of tempo. She's able to speed up and slow down, particularly in the instrumental breaks that you hear. Every other song on this album is not an intermission, true to the title. I don't know what you would call it, an interlude. And you have some of the main themes, the main choruses from the longer songs that will crop up in those little one, one and a half minute interlude. It's really beautiful. Some of the orchestration is really quite nice. So yeah, I'm just completely smitten with this album and need to listen to some of her backlog. Caitlin, how do you feel about piano? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what a leading question. I am a fan of this album. I think industry comparisons could be, uh, at least for the command of piano and just that dexterity. Even in that song, you can just hear the the little trills, you know? Uh, I would say Regina Spector or Vanessa Carlton, maybe. And 
all three of those women, Amanda Palmer included, have very unique voices and very haunting voices. And I think that's that's a vibe. I, I enjoyed it. I think I was a little confused by a lot of the instrument, like thinner instrumentals at the beginning of the album. And then I kind of skipped through a couple songs and was like, where are the words? And then <laughs> they, I started to find them and I was a fan. Thank you for bringing that one in, Tanner. I'm going to go to my last album now. I would definitely not be myself if I were not to choose this one. Let's see if listeners can guess. We wanted more than some food and a strip or moving a brick. My gifts went to school with the rich and we were broke. Hide and crow in a Rubicon drink. Which is funny because that's how we put food in the fridge. So who am I? Someone trying to live his best life. I just want to take a pretty woman for a test drive. If I bring her to my room and I press I, guarantee she's going to see the force. Like a- oh, yes, buddies. Psychodrama. Dave, easily the best concert experience I have ever had in my life. I still have not forgiven you. <sighs> I have all of this live footage. It was at Union Stage on the wharf in D.C., very small club, probably fits maybe 300 people down in this little basement. I went with friend of the podcast, Pablo. He actually flew in from Texas for this concert, wild times. And we got there a half hour early and I was like, ah, we'll, we'll be in the middle. It'll be great. Ended up front row, right in front of my literal musical hero. I just, I'm still not over it. I have copious amounts of video footage on my phone that will definitely be shared if you find me in in real life. Oh my gosh, Tanner, it was phenomenal. He was excellent live. My biggest fear going in would be this album that he's touring on, Psychodrama, has the long freestyles with thin instrumentals that we both are fans of. That was Leslie towards the end of the album. And then you have all that socio-political content, like Black and Screwface Capital, that I'm super into. Then you got the beat switches that you heard at the beginning when I introduced this album. And then just, like, the bangers. Oh, my. Like, it has everything. And I was like, I don't. How is he going to pull this off live? And his energy was just something to behold. That was. It might have been my. Uh highlight of 2019 seeing dave live in concert will definitely go every single time he's back in the states tanner thoughts on psychodrama please yeah i had to live vicariously through some of those clips and uh i'm very jealous to say the least i feel like i've said everything there's to say every time we revisit dave i'm still super into stratum Screwface capital bowled me over i Earlier in this episode, I sort of voiced a frustration with Stormzy not being super flexible sometimes with some of the more lower key moments. And I think Dave is an example of someone who is able to do both quite well. Again, no no knock on Stormzy by any stretch, but the variety on this album is really impressive. And the fact that it translates to a live setting, especially with him busting out the keyboard like he did in that, oh. one, that one clip where he's accompanying himself oh, rapping. He did black it's... acoustic live. at the That was one that I sent you in the moment. I was like, Tanner needs yeah. to see this literally now. <laughs> and I did. You were correct. So yeah, it's uh, no surprise around these parts that we're fans of Dave. And that continues with Psychodrama. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> All right, Tanner. 
last album. So when I said Amanda Palmer had my album of the year for 10 months and then it was usurped, this is my number one album of 2019. This is FKA Twigs. This is her album Magdalene. I still am not over this. I feel like, especially before this album came out, a lot of the discussion around FKA Twigs was not the most centered around her voice. I feel like a lot of the discussion was more around her ability to dance and her ability to have really interesting production choices and draw on a lot of really interesting sounds going on in UK, sort of underground electronic music. And I think one of the things I really appreciate about Magdalene is that it really does make the case for her as a really emotionally charged singer. A lot of these songs are very, if you're sensing a theme with a lot of the music I'm bringing to the table, a lot of the songs she's singing are very uh, downcast, a lot of relationships that are crumbling. And she is able to meet those songs she tailors the vocal manipulations that she sings with to the song's content instead of the other way around. So at least for me, listening through it never felt like the alterations and the beat sort of effects overtook the songs. And that made it even more impossible for me to resist how fascinating some of those production choices were. In Holy Terrain, you've got some rhythmic switches before the second chorus that are incredible. You've got her switching between low and high registers in ways that are really jaw-dropping. She, People talk a lot about Bjork or Kate Bush comparisons, and those still seem probably like the most, the most legible sort of points of reference for what she's doing. I just... There's something about her singing that is sublime to me. I find her voice almost overwhelming. And... Now this is where Caitlin comes in and throws a dart at my balloon of enthusiasm. Fire I'm away. I'm so sorry. Do so it. I'm actually going to use a critique that you used on Maggie Rogers is the melodic content of this music is almost non-existent. The song structures are very odd. I I don't consider this pop. I don't know what it is. I don't enjoy it that much. The kind of ASMR, like super close, Billie Eilish, like trendy vocal thing. Not super into it. I'm so sorry. She's been doing this since like 2014, though. <laughs> right. I know. But like, we're ta- I'm trying to link it to the pop world as best I can. And I can't. I know. No, it's just, it's very different. It's very out there. I was surprised to see Future on this. Like, actually sh- shocked. I was shocked to see Future on this. I thought Cellophane was a good track. It was very sad. I'm trying not... I'm not that sad as a human being. Like, if you've met me in real life, some people describe me as the happiest person they've ever met. So, this, sometimes this stuff just doesn't do it for me. 
But that's I will withhold the rest of the darts on FKA twigs. But I'm so I'm so happy that you had that reaction to it. Like that's so cool. Tanner is like rolling in his chair at listening to her falsetto. So And this is why we run the emotional gamut, because you don't have time for the depressing stuff, and I have too much time for the depressing stuff. Also, I will say tied to the pop world. If you were caught off guard by the future track, uh she, uh, from a year or two ago, showed up on an, uh, on an Aesop Rocky track called F Sleep, and it's really fantastic, and you should go listen to that as well. Anyway, Caitlin, I hear something about us doing a sort of structure change to the old podcast. Yes, Tanner. We are going to freshen things up a little bit in 2020. We are probably going to make a couple changes. You're not going to be seeing us in podcast form every week. You will see us, however, every month. And you should definitely check out our socials, in particular YouTube and Instagram, for little tidbits as they come onto the charts. We are trying our best to kind of keep up with stuff so we're not talking about chart entries way after the fact, you know. Sometimes the opportunity that we have for this podcast is we talk about albums that get released or singles that get released two or three weeks after the fact, so it's a little bit stale. So we're trying to combat that a little bit. This year, never fear, Tanner will still be talking about the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. I will continue leading discussions about the U.K. official charts. It's not going to be that different, right? People shouldn't be afraid. Oh, I don't think so. (laughs) And I think this will also give us flexibility to bring guests on in our own little little side, bite-sized episodes as well. So it'll be Yeah, good. and it gets – I'm excited because we've had a couple episodes where the charts just literally suck. And it doesn't force us to talk about suckish music that we don't like. So it's kind of nice that we will have a little bit more freedom going into this year with our format. So stay tuned for that. I have a feeling one of us – are probably going to be making something about a particularly yummy track, or maybe not. Uh, sorry. Because it sounds like people are not super thrilled about Justin Bieber's new song. But stay tuned for that. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Chart Chat Cast. Check us out on YouTube. YouTube and Instagram are where we're going to be sharing a lot of the bite-sized stuff in advance of the monthly sort of in-person roundup. Thanks to Teach.fm for having us on the network. Thanks to Coronation Media for our cover art and intro theme. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we'll catch you next month? Week? Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) But we'll catch you then.